Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. It's good to be up here this morning as we continue our series in the book of Hebrews, entitled Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice. Last week, Pastor Matt kicked us off with the supremacy of Christ. And we learned that Jesus had the first word in creation and the final word in revelation. And we're going to continue that theme this morning. But first, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, and the, the greatest thing that you could give us is your truth. And Lord, that's all we want to know this morning. So I pray as, as I speak this morning, let your truth go forward, and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. You might recognize this sign as the greater than sign. So something that's greater than something else, you assign that by pointing the open end of the alligator at it. It's usually used in math, but sometimes it's fun to use it in what you believe that what something is greater than something else. So I'm gonna read a couple of statements. This is greater than this, and you all tell me if you agree or disagree. All right, you guys ready? All right. Crunchy peanut butter is greater than creamy. I thought that one was pretty obvious. All right, whoever booed, you missed the first one. I'm just kidding. Crunchy Cheetos are better than puffy. Mm, see? Someone like those big cheesy poofs. Tater tots are better than french fries. I, I, I say it depends what you're eating, man. I mean, come on. Sometimes those tots go good. <laughs> well, I guess that's open to, open to interpretation. Um, how about guacamole is better than not guacamole? Where's my guacamole people at? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We're having a church up in here. Here's a good one. It's no fist fights, guys, okay? Dogs are better than cats. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I'll say this. Cats are way easier than dogs. I could, that much I'll submit to. So, Summer is better than winter. I guess it depends where you live. If you're in Alaska, you love that summertime. You're here, winter's beautiful. So I guess it's where you're from. Here's a good one. Waffles are better than pancakes. Yes. Oh. I, that's a toss up. I don't know about that one. That, that one's a tough one. Here's, here's a good one for you musicians. Piano is greater than guitar. He, he said you're right. Mike, Mike conceded. But uh, Zara has a saying this one, violin's better than both of those things. No. No? All right. Joe, you win. You're the champ. Coffee's better than tea. Flying is better than driving. Guess it depends how much time you have and where you're going. Here's a good one. Books are better than movies. Yeah, whoever said yes, you're one of those, oh, the movie was good, but the book was way better. 
which is oddly true every time they make a movie about the Bible. You know, I always say the book is way better. But uh, sunrises are better than sunsets. I don't have to get up early to look at the sunset, okay? That's my thing. Bacon, however, is better than almost anything. That's not a choice, that's just the truth. All right, it's easy to give our opinions, joke around about these things, you know, this is superior to that, but it's all a matter of opinion. And uh, some of those things were obvious, and I think some of you missed it, but I'll let it slide this time. But some things are obviously more superior to other things. Like, if you think about it, like, say if you had to travel across the country right now, would you want to be in a horse and wagon, or do you want a nice, comfortable car that you ride in? Because if you're talking about, you know, I'm taking the AC, especially during the summertime, if you're talking about comfort and speed, there really is no comparison to traveling that much uh, space, being doing it in luxury and comfort, or, you know, slow and hard and, and, and difficult. See... Around this time, the, he the book of Hebrews was written, one thing was really difficult for those who were coming out of Judaism and were trying to believe in this whole Christianity thing. They were trying to wrap their minds around who Jesus is. See, they understand that Jesus was Messiah, but in Judaism, they weren't sure if the Messiah was even more powerful than the angels. See, angels were not only God's messengers, but some like Michael the archangel, arch meaning the chief of all angels, were almost considered to be as powerful as God in some circles. And you could kind of understand that a lot of this controversy might have centered around the fact that Jesus was both God and man. He was both God, but he was definitely flesh. See, this must have blown the minds of the Jewish people who knew it was wrong to worship anything or anyone other than Jehovah God. I mean, Jesus was kind of a created being, right? He was born of a woman. He, there was a time where he was born and as an infant and he grew, a lot like us, flesh and blood. So they're trying to think, well, if that's true, how could he be more powerful than these celestial beings that just come and go out of space and time and heaven and earth? That's exactly why the, the title of today's sermon is talking about Jesus greater than angels. While it might be easy for us to say, well, duh, <laughs> those during this time were struggling with that idea, trying to figure out exactly who this Jesus was, who this Messiah was. Although Jesus was in a way a created being, he also was not. That's going to be the first of some very contradicting sounding statements I'm going to make this morning, but I will make my case and explain it to you. We'll be in Hebrews 1, 4 through 14. We're going to go through these 11 verses, so follow along in your Bibles or up on the screen as I read. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he was, has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I've begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. All the angels, he says, uh, of all the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. 
You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will, wear, they will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make an enemies a footstool to your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? If we were to take these 11 verses and we were to condense them into one main idea this morning, it would read like this. Jesus is greater than the angels because he is creator, God, and savior. Jesus is greater than the angels because he is creator, God, and he is our savior. Again, something easier for us to wrap our minds around as it was for them back then. These people knew that worshiping anything other than Jehovah God was absolute blasphemy. And as they awaited their Messiah to come and to set them free, they really didn't have any idea it was going to be God coming in the flesh. Kind of a curveball, if you know what I mean. So the writer of Hebrews spent much time explaining Jesus' deity and his superiority to all possible heavenly or earthly figures. Let's dive into our text and break it down to see why that statement is true this morning. Starting with verses 4, 5, and 6. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. See, there really isn't much comparison once we start looking at these things, but let's, let's see, what, is, what does this say right here, going back to verses 4, 5, and 6? What does it say here in, in, in verse 4, 5, and 6? God's son, begotten by God, the firstborn. What do those terms mean? Well, while he was always God, Jesus became God in the flesh at a certain point, at a certain point in time. He was the firstborn, meaning first in importance, not the first in linear order. Obviously, we know Jesus wasn't the first human ever born. But these are titles once we start to understand what these titles are. But Jesus is also God and his throne is forever. Look at what it says in verses 7 and 8. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But the son of, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. The author's pointing out here, he's saying, who has God ever said anything about anybody else? He is my son. Let the angels worship him. That's going to be important here in a second. And his throne is eternal. It says it right there. His throne is forever. Who has God ever said those things about? I'm going to go with no one ever. Amen? So this author spending all this time explaining this, again, because there were some Jewish scholars that taught Michael the archangel 
was more powerful than the Messiah? Well, clearly, the, the author of Hebrews does not ascribe to that assessment. And it brings us to our first point this morning. Jesus was the greatest and most powerful being that ever came into existence because he is God. Again, it kind of seems to contradict itself. How could God, who is eternal, come into existence? When I say come into existence, I mean coming into existence into this world. Jesus always existed because he is God. Now, there's some that would even dispute that. Did, really, did Jesus really say he was God? And I'll say yes. There's many times we can see in scripture where he points to this. One of the things I like to look at, if you're, we're comparing Jesus to angels, is Jesus did something in the Gospels that the angels never would have dreamed of doing. Anybody know what that is? Receive worship. Anytime the angels ever came down and had any kind of interaction with, with human beings, what's the first thing a human being did? Fall to their face on the ground. Almost every time in scripture you see the angel going, whoa, whoa, I'm not God, get up. However, Jesus said things like, believe in me as you believe in the Father. Believe in me for salvation. He accepted worship, something the angels never would have allowed humans to do. Only he is worthy of our worship. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Even though Jesus was born, he was also the creator of the heavens and the earth and our Savior. It says, you have loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. Let's go jump back up to verse 9 there. It says... Jesus loves righteousness and hates wickedness. That's more than just a feeling. That's more than just like, well, I like one over the other. There is no greater than there. What that is talking about is the true essence of who Jesus is. He is the lover of righteousness and, and he hates wickedness. He was perfect while he was in human flesh here on earth, was perfect in thought and deed, not like us. It's impossible for us to be perfect 100% all the time in thought, in deed, but Jesus was. And it, therefore, he was the only one that could be anointed our Savior. He was anointed with the oil of gladness. That means that God showed him favor above all. Anointing with oil was a sign of the beginning of a ministry. Uh, especially something with the position of great power. We're going to get more into this in the book of Hebrews, but Jesus is prophet, he's priest, he's king, and all of those positions require some form of anointing. Also, anointing can be seen as the instilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're saved and we believe and put our faith and trust in who Jesus is and, and what he did on the cross, and we have... Be we gain that saving faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, which was Jesus' primary source of power during his earthly ministry. He was, it says in verse 9, he was anointed above all his companions. 
Guess, again, when we, when we read that, we see he was anointed above his companions. That, that doesn't mean equal. That doesn't mean that he was equal above all his companions. Why? Because he's so much more than prophet, priest, or king, or even angel. Get this, church. He created the world in which he was born into. Say what? He created the world in which he was then born into. That's mind-blowing. Think about it. Jesus was God in the beginning. The, the word says that nothing was created that Jesus did not create. So Jesus creates everything. He lowers himself to become part of creation, humbles himself so that he could live the absolute perfect life and then die to save, sacrifice himself to save his creation. It's unbelievable. It brings us to our second point. Jesus created the very world he would one day be born into and then die to save. That is an amazing picture of exactly who Jesus is. He created the very world that one day he would be born into, basically so that he could live a perfect life and die to save us. What an amazingly powerful and loving God we serve, amen? And remember our main idea, Jesus is greater than the angels because he's creator, God, and savior. When, when we say that Jesus is greater than, we're not talking about crunchy peanut butter versus smooth peanut butter. There is literally no one ever Ever, ever, ever going to be like Jesus. There never was and there never will be. Jesus is greater than all conceivable beings simply because he is God. But here's one of those as the writer of Hebrews gets into, but wait, there's more. Look at verses 11 through 14. They will perish but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Jesus is forever. When it says there in verse 11, they will perish. They meaning the heavens and the earth. All of creation will perish, but Jesus will remain. All of creation has a beginning and an end, but God has no beginning and he has no end. Not only is he eternal, but he rules over all created things. I, I know that it doesn't always feel that way. The world, you know, being in a little bit of chaos or your personal life being in a little bit of chaos, Jesus still rules over all created things. Right now, he sits at the right hand of God over all creation and rules with the Father. One day, his heavenly kingdom will come down and will be established, and that will be forever. Absolutely forever. But as it says there in verse 14, it alludes to something. Are they not all talking about angels? 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Who's going to inherit salvation? Us. When Jesus established his rule in the new heavens and the new earth, even we, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, will be above the angels. They will serve us for all eternity. Every once in a while, you hear someone say something like, well, we, we lost aunt so-and-so and, and heaven's gained another angel. I, I often hear that, you know, even from some of my own family members and it, and it just makes me almost grieve because don't you understand that when we die, we will be greater than the angels? It would be like a downgrade. Brings us to our third and final point. Not only is Jesus greater than the angels, but they will serve he and us for all eternity. It is very clear that there is literally no comparison between Jesus and the angels. And that's okay. And that's why the writer of Hebrews was addressing these things because it's hard for those coming out of a monotheistic, very religious you know, idea to a new covenant in grace and mercy of who God is and, and what it means to commune with him. And that's what uh, the book of Hebrews is basically about. So as we you know, work through this, we're gonna see some of these things that may not 100% pertain to us, but we can understand exactly what they were going through and why it was important to explain things like this. And as Joe comes up, as, as, I want us, as we close, I want us to think about how awesome, powerful, and loving the God is that we serve. Think about what we gain in the future by placing our faith in Jesus right now. That's what I, I want our mindset to be. What do we gain in eternity by placing our faith in Jesus now. We remember our first point, first of all. Jesus was the greatest and most powerful being that ever came into existence because he is God. It's almost laughable to imagine how off some people are about what they believe about Jesus. But it might not be their fault, they just might not understand because it's not much different these days. Some think he was just a good man teacher or a prophet. They downplay the importance and the identity of who Jesus is. But I, I really like how C.S. Lewis put it. When you're looking at the evidence about who Jesus was, he's either Lord, lunatic, or a liar. I think that's a healthy assessment. We can only draw those three conclusions. Was he a liar that manipulated people into believing he was something he wasn't? There's no evidence to suggest that. Jesus was never caught in a lie. He never said anything untruthful. And in fact, scripture, if I'm not wrong, describes him as the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So he couldn't have possibly been a liar. Well, maybe he was a lunatic. Maybe if I came here this morning and I told you guys all, guess what? I'm equal to God. Now worship me. I hope you would all get up and walk out the door. Was Jesus a lunatic? Well, all evidence that 
we can read about Jesus, of who he was. He was of superiorly sound mind. He spoke amazing words of wisdom and truth, not the words of a madman. Our only conclusion must be that he is God. Church, do you really believe this morning that Jesus is God? That was a question. Do you really believe that Jesus is God? All right, cool, we're on the same page. Then remember that he alone is worthy of our worship and obedience. Some people like Jesus the Savior, they don't like Jesus the Lord. Remember who he is. He's even more worthy because of point number two. Jesus created the very world he would one day be born into and then die to save. Think about that. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus could be so many things at once and do the undoable, but that sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Completely set apart. When you look at salvation, church, what part did you play? Did you create the world? Did, did you help Jesus be born into the world and then die on a cross? Were you a part of that? Because I wasn't. But I know that putting my faith in who he is and what he's done is what saves me. That sets Christianity apart from any other religion. Church, let's not keep this good news to ourselves. But wait, there's more. As we look at our third point and final point, Jesus is greater than the angels and they will serve he and us for eternity. Now I wanna make a point here. There's some churches that teach that Jesus did all the work, but they teach it in a way so that your life can be super awesome right now. God's word says it's about eternity. There was a, I was in a store and there was a cashier and, and many stores allow people to personalize their name tags. And I saw under the name tag, it said double blessed. So I asked the cashier what that meant. I said, oh, hi, how are you doing? I was like, oh, what does that mean? She's like, I'm double blessed. And I'm like, awesome, I'm, I'm blessed too. And she said, yeah, you know, if you can believe it and you can conceive it, you can receive it. If you just believe and, and you speak it to God and, and, and with a positive vibe, you can do anything. So I looked at her and I just quietly said, you think I could dunk a basketball on a 10-foot rim? She didn't know what to say. She just laughed. I mean, yes, there are some benefits for us that are children of God that know Jesus now. I mean, think about it. Power over sin in your life, that's an awesome benefit now. Peace during troubling times, because the church is going to be troubling times. And the hope that we gain knowing that the creator God of the universe loves us. That's pretty awesome. But the big reward comes in eternity. Remember that our focus is not, not what we could get now. Our true blessings come when we are with King Jesus in all eternity and everything is set right. To me, I will take that over any mansion, private jet, or a pile of money these days. That is my focus. And we end as we remember our main idea. 
Jesus is greater than the angels because he is creator, God, and savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we praise you, Jesus, because you alone are worthy. We thank you for your work in creating us in all of creation, but then humbling yourself and coming to earth so that you could die to save us. There could never be anything greater than you. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.